You're listening to the Thread Wellbeing Podcast, connecting people from around the globe to share about living from their soul's purpose. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging from all First Nations around the world, from whom we learn so much. Today's inspiring and important conversation is with Jamie Marlu Thomas and Sarah Jones, founders of Waiapa Work. Good evening, listeners. Tonight, Catherine and I are excited to bring to you two wonderful human beings, Jamie Marlu Thomas and Sarah Jones, founders of Waiapa Work and many other accolades, but in particular for me, I found these two amazing beings through this wonderful mindful movement program. However, our conversation tonight is on Sorry Day and a part of our history that we all need to be aware of and is really honouring the actions of the past and knowing how we can move forward, but also understanding the true meaning of Sorry Day and what that has meant for a number of people, for a culture and for the core of our country. But before we begin, Jamie will do an acknowledgement to country. Thanks, Teresa. Um, I'm just gonna light a little fire here just for our ancestors um, who honored the space of sharing and sitting around a fire um, and having a yarn and um, you know, sharing conversations, breaking bread, doing ceremony, but also looking after country uh, through the, the use of fire. Um, so, woman in the Malu, Kartanalanganai, Dura, Malu, Marogani. I just want to honor my ancestors of this land and the ancestors of the land of the First Nations people of where you're gathered today, sitting to share this yarn. Um, each and every one of you, honour your families and the ancestral lands where you come from to be where you are today. Um, yeah, it's really great to be here. Um, looking forward to this little yarn. Had been been immersed in uh, this topic all week. <laughs> Had some good conversations with people. So yeah, looking forward to this little share. And thank you for lighting that fire as well. Um, as you said, it, it uh, you've been immersed in these conversations this week. And this week has had a lot of days in it so we had sorry day and then we've had the reconciliation week and then yesterday we had marvo day so it's been a huge week um, for first nations people and for australia for those who don't yet understand what those days mean or what those specific dates are jamie are you able to tell us what they represent and what they mean for you and your people um, no, I'm not, to tell you the truth. Um, there, there's obviously a um, mob that, you know, they we're going to talk about this on this date and this on this date. I, I'm going to break it down and, as I said at the start, I'm going to be brutally honest about um, my 49, like 48 and a half years on the planet in relation to, you know, race and um, culture and um, the respect of our people. Um, you know, none of this stuff was ever taught at school. And, and for me... Um, when I think it was, I, I remember obviously um, everyone talked about growing up the 67 referendum, giving Aboriginal people the right to vote. 
Um, then we have NAIDOC Week, which was the National Aboriginal and Islander Day of Commemoration, changed the day of celebration, changed to NAIDOC Week. Um, then we had, um, you know, uh, I remember Paul Keating giving the um, apology in Redfern um, in uh, early 2001, I think it was. Was uh, it? 1990. We did Google it last night. I freaked out about the dates. Anyway, so people can fact check all this stuff and get it, get it properly right. And then, then I remember, I guess, there was living down in the Western District, people wanted to have these conversations around reconciliation. That was about 2003. It was my first memory to be asked to be involved in conversations about reconciliation. And then I remember the apology, Kevin Rudd's apology, obviously. Um, that was a really interesting day. That day I was working for the Warrnambool Base Hospital and it was myself and another Aboriginal liaison officer. And our, um, our EO of the health service, he made it mandatory that everybody had to come into the room and watch the apology. And he, he said, this is, this is no, there's no, um, you know, compromise on this. You're gonna, everyone's gonna be here. And I remember in the kitchen after it, this lady saying, um, this non-Aboriginal lady saying, I don't know why the freaking hell I had to be there. I didn't do nothing. I'm not apologizing for nothing. And Craig heard her and he ripped her a new one. Eh? He, like, he just, he didn't office here now. And I'm going to tell you why you had to be there. Your attitude is why you should be there. And I was like, oh, okay. So a good boss then. And then, um, yeah, so, and then, you know, the fact that after that apology happened, you know, that was when he got in after the Howard government. And I believe he, he rushed it too soon. He didn't consult properly of what it meant. And, you know, this whole concept about uh, action plans. And he continued, unfortunately, he continued with John Howard's uh, policy of keeping the troops in the Northern Territory, in the Northern Territory as a part of uh, the intervention. So I, you know, to me, again, this whole process of, words as opposed to action um you know and, and all those dates you know they are meaningful you know obviously Marbo with native title but again what does native title mean it means a lot of different things to lots of different mobs um you know so you know it's it's for me it's been a journey of um you know dates and you know uh we're going to do this and words and um but it's also been um you know obviously since invasion um, it, it's been attempts, I suppose, to try and, you know, have a relationship and, and to put it straight from my perspective, um, as my elders have told me, there's, there's no reconciliation in this process, Jamie, because there was never a relationship to begin with. This is a conciliation process, you know, it's a conciliation process. There was never a happy, healthy relationship. So to reconcile something, it means to actually have to have uh, an understanding on agreement or a relationship first and foremost. So, you know, I, I understand that people are using that word, but but from, from Uncle Rob's and Uncle Moogie's and all their perspective that, you know, there's no reconciling a process that never was uh, agreed to in the first place. It's conciliation where we're going to go back to the start and put these things into place. So, you know, that's why, uh, you know, I still, I still participate because I've always said, you know, you've got to be a part of it. You can't just um, you can't just put a buckle of bu a bucket of poo up on the table and go, "Yeah, eat this." And you've got to put a buckle up, bucket of apples up and say, "Here, look, finish it off with this here." You know, have a solution to the problem. So, um, for me, it's that um, there's been big words like truth telling, and um, the truth of the matter is, 
reconciliation is not what we're doing. It's consoling uh, and starting a relationship 240 years later. So it's, um, yeah, sorry to be so hard hitting at this time of night, but that just is what it is. Jamie, I really appreciate your honesty there because over the years, I have actually felt quite uncomfortable with this day because I also feel that it raises a lot of trauma. It raises a lot of memories. It takes back something that cannot be changed. Uh, and I felt that we can say it, but not truly even understand why we're saying it. Like what, what when we say we're sorry, what were we sorry for? And yeah. I think you've just raised that point is that until we can address that and actually truly understand the history but understand what even is happening today. Yeah. Cannot know what we're actually saying sorry for. And right. even if we're moving into new generations and there, there is this willingness to perhaps understand more until we can go back from the start and understand what actually occurred. Yeah. What is still occurring today? Absolutely, through policy, you know, policy, genocidal policy is still, you know, like when Kevin Rudd was apologising for the stolen generation of the, you know, the 50s, 60s and 70s, whilst he was standing there apologising, children were being removed at a greater rate from their families whilst he was speaking. And, and people don't know that. Like they had a, a commission into children, um, what was that commission we were part of? Um, the removal of children yeah. in out-of-home care. Yeah. And it started off with, oh, we're looking, this is, this is like a three-year process we're a part of. In the first year, there were 794 kids being removed a year. Second year, there was 900 children being removed. I think by the end of the process, when we got off the committee, got off the committee, there was 2,000 kids being removed from their families and put into out-of-home care. So when they talk about the stolen generation, and, and, and putting kids, you know, removing kids for um, things that they're calling accumulative harm. Accumulative harm means uh, he went to school um, with his hair not brushed. Uh, he had a, a tomato sauce stain on his T-shirt. We went there and the bed wasn't made. And they're writing all these things down. So when they went, oh, we removed them because of accumulative harm. It was all this lot, like this stupid stuff that we all... I let my kids go to school with their hair all in there or stain on their shirt or not make their bed. But again, these policies, um, and we work with a family that were three generations of being removed from each other. So the grandmother was stolen from her family, her kids were taken off her, and then, then, then um, her grandkids were taken off uh, the father and uh, um, her son and, and them. And this is only going back a few years ago. So... You know, exactly like you said, the truth-telling has to happen from the very beginning. It wasn't a colonisation, it was a straight-out invasion. To tell that truth from FERC wars. We didn't just give it up, there were wars fought at the time of contact. We didn't just, the dying pillow said, walked off into the bush. Our people fought with spears and boomerangs against guns and, you know, so... Tell the truth about it. You know, talk about the policies. Talk about the letters from um, King, was it King Charles? Mm -hmm. uh, well, George? George, sorry. King George, um, um, Elizabeth's father, who actually said to those ships, I want you to have a treaty with these people. And those letters are like, no. Nah. <laughs> so 
truth telling is important part of the process so people can understand, you know, that Aboriginal people went off to wars thinking that if they fought for this country, even though they weren't recognised citizens, they would come back and actually be treated better. And they weren't. They actually went there and took bullets for a country that didn't even recognise them as people. And then they come back and went, oh, can I, does that, does that show you how I'm committed to this country? Nah, go back to the mission. You can't have a soldier settlement. You can't be a part of this. You're not even a citizen. Can't have a beer with your um, mm -hmm. your mates who you took bullets for at the RSL. There, there, you know, so there there are things that you know need to be addressed. Um, I think at a lot of different levels, and you know, for people to heal, both from you know uh, the perspective of the victim and the perpetrator, the truth needs to be told. Acknowledgement needs to happen, and it's not about individuals. It's about the collective as a nation from a systematic uh, setting. You know, not just like I said. And that's where I just, you know, Gem Stone, uh, bless her, you know, I remember she she put up a lot of stuff about action um, this week. And, you know, that's what a reconciliation action plan is, is actioning stuff. Now, one of the biggest institutions in our country, the AFL, haven't um, revisited their action plan in, I think it was three years. Like, it, it, it's been run out for three years. They haven't, you know, so again, it's a tokenising um, it's those words of, you know, it's the flavour of the week or it's the flavour of the month or where, you know, they get out there and grandstand, tick a box, you know. As I said to, um, I was on a little yarn yesterday with a, an organisation and I, they were just starting their process and I, I applauded them for starting it. And I said, you, but you have to understand for the longevity of your organisation and um, your business and corporation that this all has to be generational. Doesn't just stop with you as a CEO or you as the worker or your engagement with one Aboriginal person or group. I said, this is a generational process that you're going to have to work through and be committed to. And that you can put a couple of years on it to review it. Or I said, but you have to be honest about this and say, this is a generational process that needs to go on because we're, we're dealing with and healing and reconciling or consoling um, you know, five or six generations of atrocities. So, you know, telling people about, um, you know, their little action plans. <laughs> and I love them, bless them. They're having a crack and having a go. And But, I, you know, I, again, I just was like, no, I'm just going to, you know, I said to one of our practitioners who's helping them out, um, Mary, I said, Mary, you know, I'm going to go full on here. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to sugarcoat stuff. And I'll be bringing a bucket of shit and I'll bring a bucket of apples at the end. But, the reality is, this is it's a generational this process, and they have to be committed to it. And you know about uh, procurement of indigenous services and businesses and employment and conversation, um, not just for one week of the year, um, but for um, the whole 365. So um, yeah, so for me, this that that is the. That's my perspective as one Aboriginal person living in this country um, that's been guided by elders and, and, and listening to a larger conversation that's happening, you know, um, amongst our mob. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversation around uh, some people getting tired of having to continually, you know, lead the, the conversation and they say, oh, it's not my responsibility to educate you. Go on, you know, find out yourself. And I'm like, Hang on, how are they going to do that? They go, <laughs> where are they going to go for it? If every black fella said it's not my responsibility to educate you, they go back to the white history of education, and that ain't the, that ain't the truth. So, you know, Uncle Banjo and Uncle Rob and Uncle Moogie have always taught me to 
just just look after yourself and not have to burn yourself out doing it. But at the end of the day, you still need to be a part of it to, to, to check that how the process is going. Otherwise, if they're left to their own devices, that they're just going to be like, oh, I don't know where to go then if I can't check in with your followers. So, um, you know, and, and 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 not just burning out one for one person. You know, I was a part of a reconciliation action group. Um, I won't say the suburb or the areas. Um, there was a reconciliation meeting happening, and all 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 the deadly white followers all come in, and they had the little Aboriginal flag and Torres Strait Islander flag and the little thing, and they walked in and hiring out our building and um, Aboriginal building, and they come in and yeah, we're here for reconciliation, and they walked in and put the flags on the table. And then I was I was about to come into the Navian and they just shut the door and went, <laughs> left me out in a, in with a cup of teaser and I was like, hang on, but you got no white followers in there, so what are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, and then then they had this one full follower. They just like they just they literally really meant to you know say we're going to black follow you now, and, I was, and they just kept flogging him and he kept coming to me going, what do I do, Jamie? I'm like, bring me along and he brought me along and. <laughs> I'll let, rep, I'll let rep to support him and so yeah it is look yeah it's, it's a process yeah but you know like i think what needs to happen is that um you know every every aboriginal person should be assigned a good white follow <laughs> to to work really hard for us as i say on the way up and she's the work but um, I, and one of the reasons why I said to Sarah um, that I wanted her here today is to give her perspective as a as a non-Aboriginal person who's been a part of community, um, has a lot of non-Aboriginal friends who don't get it, and you know she got you know big bruise on her forehead from banging the head against a brick wall <laughs> trying to uh, you know just just share um, the perspectives of First Nations people with them. Um, I'm really glad that you just brought in Sarah then because uh, one of the questions that I had was that, and you've kind of mentioned, Jamie, that there's like this institutional responsibility and there should be more of it moving forward to kind of bring in the reconciliation action plan, highlight on the action. Um, but then there is also individual responsibility as well so for people who grew up in in this country you know in different generations um that are non-indigenous australians we didn't learn the hard facts of what happened so really and from my perspective it's been in the last sort of year and a half that i've taken it upon myself to actually learn about this and so as you were saying about sarah you would probably um know that there's different levels of of understanding different um acceptance levels as well how have you found that situation how do you talk to that oh look it's definitely you, you have to navigate your way through um but i think that one of the things when i first started working in community um which was gosh it's 18 years ago um that i started working in community it there was it was a process it was um you know i had um i was working at the Curry heritage trust and i remember um, Uncle Jim Berg, who actually said to me, um, now it's time for you to learn a, a new way, you know, which is the old way of actually listening. Um, I was very, I was very white in that I kept asking lots and lots and lots of questions. And he said, no, that's not the way. That's your way. That's the white way. 
this is now time to sit and listen and observe. And only when you do that, then you're sitting in the, you know, everything that you're, you're watching or you're hearing, you're acknowledging rather than constantly thinking, you know, you're, you're in your mind space where you're constantly, you know, we're not taught to, to sit and listen. Um, we're taught to, you know, just speak, speak, speak. And yet, so learning that different way was really important. Um, but also, you know, I, I've been, you know, I've, I've had, I've been living in community as well as working in community. So I've had uh, Aboriginal partners um, and kids and, you know, stepkids. And so it's been, a you know, a different journey for me than, you know, some, some people might have. Um, but I think that the most important thing is, is listening um, and then, you know, navigating your way through and not being scared to move forward. You know, I think that you need to acknowledge, we need to acknowledge what has happened in this country. And I think, again, I'm a bit different because I grew up in Canada. So in growing up in Canada, we didn't have the, um, the extreme racism that existed that exists in this country. Okay, First Nations might have a different. They might say differently, but you know, like it, it, I grew up in Canada and I didn't have that. I was very much, you know, I learned about First Nations people in Canada. It was part of our schooling. It was, it, we had an, had an awe, you know, for First Nations people when I was growing up. Um, when I, started working in community here, I was shocked by the way people reacted to me when I said I was working in Aboriginal community. Um, the, the, the disdain um, was horrendous that um, people would speak about and I would just be like, oh my god, this is exactly why we are here. And I couldn't understand because like this country is so incredibly blessed to have the one of the world's oldest living cultures. Like we should be cherishing that. We should be celebrating it. We should be going, wow, look at like, how special are we? And we, do, know, the, and we do the opposite. <laughs> we do the, you know, we don't do that. And I just go, this doesn't make sense to me, you know? But I think it is slowly, it's in the probably the last few years, you've kind of seen a slow change happening. Um, where more and more people are starting to realize that and are starting to go, hey, you know what? We're... And again, it's about the missing out, you know? People are going, oh, actually, we're actually missing out on something here. And so again, it's about them <laughs> and what they're going to, you know, that they're realizing they're missing out. So it's, they're trying to, to gain something. But in saying that, then comes the respect. And, and for me, it's always been, you know, to me, WIAPA is, is a way of, you know, it's a beautiful reconciliation tool because, or a conciliation tool, because it's, it teaches the, um, the importance of um, what it means um, to have a spiritual connection to country. And I think that once people understand that it is that connection to country, um, that is the basis, the, the quintessentialness of, of um, culture, of Indigenous culture, that then we can understand what it meant for, for Aboriginal people to have that taken away from them, for having this country invaded, and the deep 
hurt that goes with that, not only for them as a culture, but for this country. There's a severing of a relationship. You know, literally Aboriginal people were snatched from the bosom of Mother Earth. And, you know, as again, that, that, was, a, that was the start of removing children. You know, when, when, you, when you sever, you know, one of the policies was to remove people from their country and put them into someone else's country where they were totally, uh, you know, um, foreign to it. Um, it was the same as taking someone, you know, from um, you know, Palestine to put them in Australia or from, you know, Amazon and put them in Australia or wherever. When, when even though this is a continent, um, when you move someone from their area and put them somewhere else, you might as well take them over to the United States because it was the same thing. So snatching them from their place of birth, connection, their mother, and putting them, fostering them out somewhere else, that was the first start of that you know, just the removal stuff. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it, look, it's an it's a interesting week. And, you know, like we say with Earth Day, it should be Earth Day every day. Like we say with, you know, sorry day, understand what happened before you say sorry or you engage in that, like Catherine, you said before, about going to do that research. Um, th those milestones are important because it puts a chronology of attempts you know, the 67 referendum, I think it was 98% of the population voted yes to include Aboriginal people. It was like, that's astounding. That's great. You know, why, 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 why was that happening in 67 and it's not happening now about these issues? What, what's mm. changed? You know, I remember when Uncle Lionel Rose won the world title and come back to um, Melbourne, they shut the whole city down to have a ticket tape parade to celebrate him as an Australian winning a title being an Aboriginal person, you know? One of our young Aboriginal kids wore an Aboriginal T-shirt into the ring at the Olympics and he was howled down and ridiculed. What, what, what's changed, you know? I think, um, you know, the fact that, you know, he was going to stand up for his people and not politicise his identity, but just, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that we've, you know, come from a dark place and I think things are a little bit, you know, like with the referendum and uh, everyone acknowledging Uncle Lionel Rose as an Australian and as an Aboriginal person was important. And then it's gone backwards again. And I'm not sure, I don't even know what's happened there. You know, mm -hmm. why, why is it becoming difficult again? Um, but yeah, I've got some theories. I'm going to put a tin hat on, um, put some aluminium <laughs> foil on. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting week um, to say the least. And I think that that whole concept of, you know, like I said, Conciliation Week. Um, as I said, the, it was the great, um, it was the great uh, uh, Shane Howard, the lead singer of Gowana, that I remember him saying that, you know, if we don't get it right, it will be reconciliation um, instead of uh, reconciliation. So um, he, he, he said that real cooey laughing. But again, if you want to look at a, a non-Aboriginal person who, who, who did their best to understand and learn, is Shane, you know, like, he, he stayed in his lane um, and he just engaged with a lot of different mobs. Um, you know, there were times when he got it wrong and he had to learn his lessons. Um, and, you know, he'll, he'll be the first person to say that. So I've got a lot of admiration for him as a, as a, as a human who, who really understood that process of, you know, learning and listening. Like Sarah mm -hmm. said, you know, listening and stop asking questions and that, that the knowledge will come when you are ready and, um, you know, and um, just listen mm -hmm. and, and actively engage in the process about what's needed and not putting a, 
you know, a broad brush over all of Australia or even every, every like I said, every Aboriginal person will have their own opinion and um, might differ from mine or it might be the same or it's got another twist on it. But it's, and it's not an easy process. You know, it's not a quick fix, mm -hmm. like I said, in relation to action plans. It's, it's going to have to be a generational change. Thank you, Jamie. There's so much you raised there. And that generational change is so important. And that is really where those conversations now need to start. And Sarah, I commend you just for all that you share, but also walking this path. Because as an Australian, similar to Catherine, over the last few years, I'd probably say for me, it's been the last 10 years that I've started to want to know more. But predominantly in the last two years, and, and since really even working with both of you, I've actually felt embarrassed to be an Australian, knowing that we have this history and knowing that we don't fully own it in its full capacity. And when I have wonderful friends from overseas wanting to connect and understand more or, or say to me, wow, this has happened. We've seen this, we've heard this. What do you know about it? And I sit there because I think, well, my education was so one-eyed, so limited in what it shared. And then obviously the sharing amongst our communities wasn't as open because people go into that protection mode and there's such distrust. And Sarah, what you do is provide that pathway for us to have an opportunity to connect even further and deeper. And you touched on my upper work. And, and what I've loved about that is your four pillars of earth, mind, body, spirit. That connection to earth, as you both have shared, if you really do that and sit in that space, you hear our ancestors. And it's all of our ancestors. We live on this land. So they're our ancestors whispering to us the changes. In the work that you both do with Waiapa, how important has it been and this process been in assisting those through intergenerational trauma? Yeah, look, it's, it's something definitely I think that, you know, with that Earth connection, we're getting every individual human on this continent, on this planet, to acknowledge, um, you know, systematic atrocities around the world from whenever they started happening, you know, 10,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 200 years ago. It, it's, it really is, when you look at it in its truest, deepest form, it is a disconnection of why people do that because a lot of the time it's about wanting more resources. Um, all wars are about resources, you know, they, where they talk, they use religion as, a, as an excuse to extract resources and invade on religious grounds or on um, hu humanity, human rights or whatever, but really it's about resources, let's not bandy around about that, and it's about greed and power and profit, so, you know, I think that if you can strip it back and get people connected back and, and understanding what sustainability is and understanding what responsibility and purposes of caring for the environment, that, that is the right and the responsibility of all human beings. It shouldn't be one group or one culture or one, you know, set of people's responsibility. That's why I say it's not, it's not the government's responsibility, it's not the corporation's responsibility, it's all of our responsibility, which includes them 
and and it's about saying, well, if we all got reconnected, and that's what I always say, you know, Reconciliation Week is about reconciling our relationship with Mother Earth because we did have a really great relationship with Mother Earth at some point of evolution, but where did your people break down that relationship for a need to be reconciled? So again, it goes to it goes to people and culture, but it also goes to the very core of our existence um, of our great provider, Mother Earth, and reconciling our relationship with her and and our fellow species, the plants and the animals. So you know, for me, it's it's a you know this week is is you know when I talk about reconciliation week, it's we're conciliating with the people, but we're reconciling our relationship with Mother Earth. And I think that if we did that and we actually got a part of that conversation and action, then it'll actually heal and help the process of understanding First Nations, original peoples, relationship and and, and the way that they actually lived in harmony with her. So yeah. Yeah. And if, then, I, if I had a microphone, I'd drop it. Barack Obama stolen yeah. more out, but <laughs> I haven't got one, so I'm still here for a bit more. And also like when when stolen Jen. Um, that when they start doing wayapa, it really helps them, doesn't it? it yeah, may not solely a memory for them. Yeah, yeah, it does. So for you know, for because of stellar generation, um, a lot of people don't know their culture. So you know, culture often gets to, you know explained that it's it's language and it's stories and it's making this or you know all that stuff, and it is all that stuff. But culture. Um, when I googled the word, what does culture mean? Where did culture come from? It actually means cultivate from the earth. So we come from the earth, right? So culture is earth connection. So if we're connected, and that's when this old fellow said to me in the Northern Territory, when I said, oh, I've got no culture, and he started laughing and said, who told you that? I said, oh, the white followers and even some of the home mob were telling me. And he goes, no, no, you go back to country and you sit and listen because your stories, your songs and your ceremonies come from the land. And no one... While, while your bum points to the ground and you're walking on the earth, your, your stories and your culture is there because it comes from the earth. And if you sit and listen and interpret that through your description and explanation and your narrative, then your culture is never dead or lost. And it just, just changes. And he said, do you think our culture has been the same for 80,000 years? He said, no, because each generation... It passed on stories and it will stay connected, but then someone will come in with a new a new experience or a new song or a new dance or a new story about what they saw or how they experienced it. And all cultures have evolved. Um, he said, but, you know, we had a really deadly one that people from, from the peripheral looks like it hasn't changed. He said, in some parts it hasn't, which is their connection and responsibility, but in other parts it has through dance and story and song. Mm -hmm. So... You know, that, that, that sort of narrative about, um, yeah, I lost the pot a bit there, but <laughs> that narrative about, um, you know, stolen generation, they, having that earth connection is the is the absolute basis and the core value, thank you for that, um, is the core basis of their their identity as a human and, and understanding connecting to their Aboriginality. I love that you lost the plot there, Jamie, because I was like totally on there with you. And just from what you were saying in terms of um, knowing your culture by the land that you're on, I can relate to that because coming from a heritage that, you know, sailed over here, I you know, many moons ago, I have kind of grown up and gone, okay, I'm Australian, but I've 
you know, here on this land, what, what does this actually mean? So to bring it back and, as you said, just so simply connecting with the earth around you and just and, and, and listening and understanding. So I'm really glad you went on that tangent. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, and and it's, from, it's about respecting that, you know, if you're a descendant of, of uh, First Nations people is that you do have, you know, thousands of years of connectivity to a place and space. So, you know, when, when people come here and have been here for seven generations, you know, I, I was talking to Apollo, like, so, yeah, we've been here for five generations. And I went, oh, that's cute. Uh, I've been here for 5,000 generations, brother. Like, that's cute. You know, like, oh, I've only been here for five generations. I'm like, yeah, that's cute. You know, we've been here for 5,000. So, but it was like, so they told me about country and about land. I'm going to sell you a memory that's longer than your memory of family tree for five generations. I said, but, and, and, and but he feels, he feels connected to this place, which yeah, is amazing, but it's on a different level than me. And, and I'm getting him to understand that. Um, I, I, I did get around to explaining when he understood it. He understood of, you know, I said, you're feeling this from a five-generational perspective of connection to this place and understanding and responsibility. I said, that's awesome. I said, but imagine if you were here for 5,000 generations, how you'd feel, amplify that. And he was like, yeah, right, I see what you're saying. So, you know, um, it, it, it's about, again, you know, honouring that you have a purpose and a responsibility on this country to acknowledge the oldest, one of the oldest continuing cultures and, and why the place was so well for so long and putting those practices into, into process. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's good, Catherine, that you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. I think that the, you know, it's that one of the things that, you know, that's so important is that when it's like the bookings, the WIPA workshop bookings are, you know, Rec Week, Reconciliation Week and NADOG Week. You know, that's when people go, oh, look, better look around, see what's, you know, all the darky, what's, what's Aboriginal and, you know, tick the box. And, and even that in itself to me is while you go, okay, at least they're doing something. But I think we've got to get to a stage where we're saying, you know what, that's not actually good enough now. So there's 350 other days of the year yeah. that you should be engaging in some way, whether it be hiring a caterer or getting someone into, you know, cook, you know. Um, yeah, we, why are we cramming it into two weeks? It's crazy, you know. Like this is we need to start embedding, embedding this connection um, and the honouring and the acknowledgement um, of our First Nations people to to being it, you know, all the, all year round. Um, you know, we well, it's, it's human nature to do that in a sense, though, because yeah. it's like um, clean up Australia Day, clean up Australia Day. What about the other 364 days? Clean yeah. up the last of them. Like, um, you know, what about um, Earth Day? It should be Earth Day every day. What about, you know, and it's good to acknowledge a particular time or an event, but, you know, it's that practice and mindfulness of the whole, the whole yeah. year, the whole, yeah. Life cycle, life cycle to you know keep it as a narrative but and and to take the lead you know take a lead you know for for people or for organizations take the lead of going you know what i'm going to acknowledge those weeks but i'm going to actually listen and learn from those weeks and make it all year round and you know celebrate that and tell people you know go out and say you know i'm going to, you know as a company we're actually going to have you know um, we're going to be doing things all year round, not just, you know, in honouring those those weeks. We're going to do it all, to, all the time. 
because it shouldn't just be crammed into those couple of weeks. Um, and then that would be a great step in reconciliation because then it's really putting into action what the acknowledgement is, is that, we've, you know, that we've got um, an amazing, amazing history and living history in this country um, that we should be learning from all of the time. Sarah, I was going to ask, what is the message you would like to tell others in how we navigate this throughout the whole year? And you just, you just did. I love that you were able to address that. And I think that is the key point. We honour the significance of this week and of the last, um, you know, of, of the last sort of 10 days in the dates that we honour. And if it means that we start those conversations, then it's doing what it needs to do to start a conversation. But then truly it is about implementing those changes throughout, throughout the whole year. And I also think it's about taking the responsibility about having these open and honest conversations and understanding that when you're cut off from your identity, a lot occurs to a person and a lot occurs to a culture. And then to find your way back is a huge journey. And I love that if we do that and we can do this through Waiapa work, which is a really beautiful way. And I've been in, in our classes where, you know, we've had beautiful people present that have felt that disconnection. And when we're able to start that conversation and start that healing journey within, but open that conversation in circle with others, then we are changing the outcome. And I think this is what is important about this time and, and the importance of Sorry Day is that for me and, and Reconciliation Week is that it is an opportunity for those that may have not heard it, have probably never even bothered to look into it finally awaken to something small and hopefully that then ignites the passion within them to actually explore that further. And I, and I think what keeps ringing through this whole conversation is identity. If we want to identify ourselves as Australians and be proud of that, then we need to take full ownership. In saying all of that, what would both of you say to others who may not know where to start or may not know how to have a conversation or may want to connect with an elder and learn like people travel overseas and will find communities to connect to. They'll go to Peru and spend some time. You might go to Hawaii and spend time. What would be the best way for us who would like to know more? What is the best way to do that respectfully? and honourably. Yeah, I think definitely contacting, you know, your local community organisation where viable, um, you know, I know a lot of small towns and places, you know, there's not, enough, uh, well, there probably is an Aboriginal population that you don't know about, but um, but yeah, contacting the, the local land council or cooperative or community group and, um, you know, go, that's the first point of call. Um, if you can't find them, local councils and shires, you know, should be. I think most of the municipalities have reconciliation groups or have had conversations and, you know, they'll be the next point of call. Um, reconciliation Australia. Reconciliation Australia. As a point for resources. Yeah. 
Yeah, but again, you know, I still think it's worth going trying to go to First Nations people first yeah. before you go to those those yeah. things. But yeah, yeah, you go through those steps and you can't get anywhere, you can't find anything. Um, you know, I guess, you know, the old Google, Uncle Google, only Siri will help you out. Hey Siri, where do I find the nearest black fella? Um, <laughs> um, you know, like, you know, and, and just have those conversations. And like Sarah said, go in with just, just an absolute clean slate. And even though you might have read a lot of stuff or um, you might have Googled a lot of stuff, um, just go in with the assumption you still know nothing. And, and if what they say affirms all the stuff you read or heard, then that's great. But be, don't be surprised or shocked if the, their version or their community's uh, history or that, that individual story is going to be different than what you've heard or read because it's just human nature. Mm, what, yeah. what do you say? Yeah, absolutely. I think because one of the one of the things is that, you know, when we talk about um, First Nations um, or Aboriginal people, then we, we get this homogenization happening and it couldn't be further from the truth of, you know, how many different language groups, um, you know, and clans there were in this country. So, you know, and understanding that it's really important. Um, but I think that also stepping into um, the uncomfortableness of it, you know, as you're saying, Teresa, you know, you're feeling embarrassed, you know, and a lot of people have this, you know, they're taking on this feeling of guilt and that stops them from actually going any further. And we've all got to sit in that and acknowledge that, that's, you know, um, we don't want, the, we, we have to understand it. Acknowledgement of what's happened is so important, but don't let it stop us from actually exploring anything, you know, further and making sure that we take that responsibility on for our, our own education processes as per being guided mm -hmm. by, you know, Aboriginal people. But, you know, I think that that's, you know, like, people there's so many people who say oh, I'm just I'm just too scared um to go because I'm gonna what happens if I say the wrong thing or if I make a mistake and guess what you will you will you will 100% I make mistakes all the time um one this morning yeah you know it pulls me up you know I get pulled up all the time I like I you know it's been 18 years and I still know just like that like a sand um piece of sand so, but you, when you come from that place of acknowledgement that, you know, we really know nothing, we really are the children and they're the elders and we need to respect that then and understand that you're going to get it wrong. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get told, you're going to get told, um, which is good because then you learn. But if I'm you come from that place. I'm recorded, right? So I'm going to just take a snippet and reply. No, you tell me all the time. You tell, it tells me all the time and I just have to sit in and sometimes sometimes I find myself going oh okay getting really defensive about being told and I have to go why am I getting so defensive about this I'm just I've got to I've got to sit into my humbleness <laughs> and go okay you know what I am being white supremacist there with my thinking and I'm not in, I don't mean to be you know that but I've got to sit in that because if I don't own it, then we're never going to move forward and I'm never going to really learn 
and acknowledge that that's, you know, it's my programming. It's my programming from coming from white, white privilege. Yeah. So there's a really, really great, there's a couple of great books that I refer to. Uncle, um, Uncle Rob Lowe's story about the Mish and his journey as an Aboriginal person. Um, but Uncle Banjo's uh, book, uh, Wisdom Man, it was uh, co-written by Camilla. Uh, Camilla. Um, is that right, that race relation? You know, it's a really great book around um, uh, what's that? What's that religion? Um, I can't remember. Read the book. Things I'll play the Molly Meldrum style. But, um, but yeah. So and, and it is a journey, like Sarah said. You know, like um, we always catch ourselves having a laugh because I'll I'll tell her a story and she's heard it for fifteen times and then she'll start retelling it and we all ask about and I go, it's oh, it's that tell my stories if you're not going to get them right, little girl. So, you know, yeah, and, and which means I haven't, you know, I need to keep listening. Need to keep listening. Yeah. And um, that may change because of my memory, but that probably could be the reason why I tell them wrong. But um, but it, it is that 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 willingness to get in, you know, Brene Brown style and get back in the arena and you might get knocked down but getting back up. Um, you know, it is that. Uh, willingness to to make mistakes but moving forward you know if you're making mistakes it means you engage in the process as opposed to not making them and sitting back and doing nothing and um and and look the mistakes might not be mistakes it might be just a difference of opinion from an Aboriginal person you know and that's okay um you know I could say that's that dress is blue and someone might say no that dress is uh, gold or whatever mm. um you know it is what it is to that person and and you just got to go okay that's a different perspective it's not one was right or one's wrong as perspective of, of knowledge and story and connection. Yeah, and and it's all of this is is it's going to take time. Like that's the thing of you know, it's it's going to be a lifelong journey of learning. Um, and that's and again that's part of that education process of not rushing things and that we tend to do in in you know Western society of wanting to know everything now instant gratification. I want to know. How, you know, I want to know how to be an ally straight away in five minutes and that's not going to happen. You know, it's going to be a, a lifelong learning process and, and, you know, but there's so much abundance now of opportunity to be able to, to listen, you know, being able to engage, you know, in so many different things. And that is one of the great things about, about Reconciliation Week and NADOC Week is that there's so many opportunities for people to be able to go out and sit and listen to somebody speak or a panel or an event, so many variety of events to go to that are being Aboriginal led. So you can go and, and you know, get, you know, participate in them. And that's your education process of, you know, doing all of that as well. So, and also doing WAPA workshops, of course. That goes without saying. <laughs> Same with plug there. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm too shy to do that. Uh, <laughs> as a YAPA worker myself, for me, that has just opened up this beautiful world of so many wonderful connections, but also an avenue of where I can go further. And not only from a cultural perspective, but also for me, that spiritual aspect. And I think that's the beauty about YAPA work. So, and that we get to share the message and get to share that message of oneness rather than of division, rather than an us and a them or before and an after. It's just like collectively we come together. Um, so, yeah, I'd say the first resource is find why upper work, Google it or Facebook, <laughs> depend on it. 
do there's a diploma coming up in August <laughs> with Teresa. Enroll now. Enroll now. We'll be up with some buffaloes. Yeah. Look, it is, look, it is. It's a there's a whole collective of uh, ways to um, you know connect and yeah be be a part of um, learning. Is, um, yeah, there's so many so many ways. So there's really no excuse because no. you know you can watch Aboriginal you know, NITV. You can turn on to SBS. you know SBS. You can go watch Bangara. You can watch, you know, you can listen to so much, you know, Aboriginal music or get involved with that's the Aboriginal comedian. comedians or, you know, <laughs> there's, you know, there's just so much. There's so many books being written. There's so many exhibitions, artists, like, yeah. artists, like there's just is really no excuse for people not to know um, and for, and start an education process, you know, as long as it's Aboriginal Yeah, and, and, and it's like, out. you know, this this week Reconciliation Week, Sorry Day and all that, I've, I've heard conversations in mainstream offices around, oh, just get over it, when's this, when we're going to have to stop talking about this, and then I'll say, sorry, in a hundred years we can stop talking about Anzac, so we don't have to have any dawn services, or we don't have to commemorate anymore, is that what you're saying to me? In a hundred years we don't have to you know, I happened 200 years ago. Well, that happened. It's like, okay, so in 100 years, we can stop having Anzac Norm services and honouring the lives of the people for this country. Is that what you're saying to me? Oh, no. Well, it's different. How's it different? You know, so they go, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. So, you know, so for me, you know, we talk about Australia Day, you know, it, it's again, it's not the date that's that's been refuted and it's been um, argued what date it was. Um, but it was the process after that. It's a series of events that happened over, don't even put a date on it, but, you know, it's about saying acknowledging it. So whether you have a, a commemorative service in the morning and a celebration in the afternoon like we do with Anzac Day or whatever, you know, that to me is a, is a, is a more collective way of connecting to that data. I understand the loss and the sorrow in the morning, but then celebrate it in the afternoon. Let's not celebrate Australia Day. Let's celebrate, let's, let's commemorate Australia yeah. Day and we'll, then in the afternoon we'll celebrate Australia Day or whatever bloody day you want to put on it. May 8th, mate. Um, it's too cold here in Victoria. Um, <laughs> it's too cold in Victoria to get, get, get your cheeks out in the lap lap. But um, so whatever whatever the dates or the process, it's, it's about the process of acknowledgement and that for me would work for me. But other Aboriginal people might have a different view or take on that. But. I'm loving this and I'm absolutely, I've loved where you've taken us today because you've talked across so much and you've already answered some of the questions that we hadn't yet asked. So thank you so much for sharing so much. And what I had a little spark of before was that having this conversation with you today and just what you said, Sarah, before about sort of rushing in and being like, okay, I want to be an ally now. You know, <laughs> nothing really is sustainable if you go at it at that pace. Yeah. I'm definitely someone who is still learning that. that. <laughs> but to light that fire, as you did at the beginning of this, within us that it's at a stage where it can be sustained and as you said every day to do something how can we include first nations people how can we treat mother earth better every day this is a conversation that we need to have within ourselves so that we can be the best humans collectively that we can be so yeah i've just got to say a huge thank you to both of you for 
all that you've shared today. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And as you were just speaking, Hannah, I just want to share the vision I've had. And it was just of these barefoot, the barefoot adventurer. So just these bare feet walking through country. And I think having this conversation is just each of us being that barefoot adventurer, each of us walking through country, acknowledging our purpose and what we're here to do and honouring the ancestors and really listening to what is being said, shared, and then to even taking that further. So I am so grateful to both both of you for being here and for really allowing us to start this conversation. And I'm so grateful in the way that we have touched on so much. And Jamie and Sarah, you are really paving the way for so many of us to be able to understand and delve in that bit deeper. And there, it, it's it's as if you're the, like a river source and then we can go off into certain streams. But I, I feel that with the way that you both work in this space and I'm so grateful. So thank you for your time. Thanks for the opportunity, um, people, for us to come on. And I really love the, the Thread podcast in the way that you're willing to delve into situations that you're unsure about or uncomfortable about, but you're still like we're committed to this. Um, and you know, if I, I recommend that people go back through the Thread podcast uh, interview, interviews of other people from all different walks of life. And um, the, the narrative and the questions that you ask are just so poignant and um, thought-provoking. So, yeah. My Melbourne style, do yourself a favour, guys. Put the Tread Podcast on your Spotify playlist or your own Spotify. Anyway, yes, they are. Do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do know that. I, I just got a Tread's special page to get it from there. I got a Spotify. Um, but yeah, uh, check it out, guys. For those who want a little extra insight into behind the scenes, here you can find it. We hope you enjoy. I do think it's really important, you know, to acknowledge that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the blessed one in the fact that, you know, I, I'm going to record that. It's being recorded. (laughs) I'm the blessed one in the fact that, you know, I, I, this is, this is a gift. This is like such a gift for me um, to, to be a part of. And, and I felt that way as soon as, as soon as I entered into community, you know, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy all the time. Um, But the, 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 the richness um, that comes to me is, is such a gift. I'm, I know, you know, I know my place, you know, I am, I am the work because that's, you know, honoring um, the wisdom, you know, that comes. Um, and it is, you know, time for, for us to do more of the heavy lifting, um, you know, for for what's happened. So we, we sit back over the table while you build it. <laughs> we oh, need to do, do, it over there. do more work. Put it over there. Do the work to see you. Hang on. Yeah, that's all right. All right, next piece of the puzzle, guys. <laughs>